Welcome to the Space Hour, a show to highlight the people in the aerospace industry behind the newest technologies used for exploration and national security. Here's your host, Eric White. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Space Hour here on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Eric White. We begin today with the New Age Space Race. Not so much with Russia anymore, but another Asian near-peer competitor, China. As usual, the government is very interested in looking to academia to help keep pace, and recently, the University of Arizona became the U.S. Space Command's first academic engagement enterprise center partner to help train the future workforce and increase research and innovation related to space and national security to ensure the future vitality of U.S. space operations. To learn more about what that means, I talked to Vishnu Reddy, associate professor and co-leader of the university's Space Domain Awareness Lab. The U.S. Spacecom selected the University of Arizona as one of its inaugural members of what they call as the academic engagement enterprise. Uh, this is basically to f- uh, find a way to train future workforce and address some of the shortages uh, we have in relation to space science, space engineering, and how that applies to national defense. So the partnership is brand new. Uh, it's only a few weeks old. And the goal is to have a path forward where academia can help enable Uh, national security needs uh, for the military. I've done a few of these interviews, particularly towards the space industry itself and the shortage of STEM workers that it has and even, you know, some of the mechanical workers. What shortages are there in the space field when it comes to national security? I think primarily uh, from an education point of view, uh, space has been an add on to what the Air Force was doing. Uh, Now that we have a new branch of the military where the primary focus is space, having a curriculum where, uh, you know, guardians are trained uh, on uh, space-related topics uh, from the get-go rather than being it something additional they would get at the Air Force Academy uh, would be something like a game changer. Uh, We are very good at uh, doing just that because we have over 50 years of experience educating uh, scientists and engineers in space sciences and engineering. So I think that would uh, enable the the future guardians and other branches of the military focused on space uh, to get the best quality education and training uh, they need uh, to operate in uh, space. You use the word game changing. Obviously, you know, you're you see the importance in your partnership. But how important is it for U.S. Spacecom itself to be forming these partnerships uh, when it comes to the national security realm? I think it's very important because, you know, academia uh, you know, has two uh, major strengths. One is the generation of knowledge and the other is uh, the training aspect of it. Uh, nowhere else you would find this combination, whether it's industry or the government or uh, a nonprofit. And I think uh, leveraging these two strengths uh, to provide something that is totally unique uh, to the Space Command uh, only happens in academia. I think, why is it important for them? I think we want the, uh, you know, not just the operators, but also the leadership in Space Command uh, to be well-versed in the latest uh, scientific and engineering breakthroughs that are happening. And those things only happen uh, in academia at the basic research level. Uh, Definitely that research gets transitioned to applied and you take it into the warfighting domain itself uh, at a later stage by industry partners and the military itself. But the generation of knowledge and the generation of these ideas happen in academia. So I think it's important to have a partnership 
at the beginning of that process rather than just being at the applied end of things. Where the U.S. finds itself now in a sort Uh of new space race with a different competitor this time. Um, How important is it for partnerships like this and how does the U.S. manage to stay ahead of China and other near near peer competitors in the space race arena? It, it's very important to stay ahead of, uh, you know, um, our, uh, you know, our peer uh, competition, uh, simply because we we see uh, uh, the Chinese, for example, uh, playing the long game. Uh, these are investments they make in the order of about fifteen to twenty years, and they stick to those investments. You know, there's no, you know, let's run to the moon, let's run to Mars, let's run to somewhere else, or you know, let's focus on uh, geostationary orbits or let's focus on cislunar. There's no, you know, uh, the, you know, the needle doesn't turn as much. So we need to dampen those kind of oscillations that we see in our, you know, in our goals and aspirations over the longer term. So that we stay focused on, on on you know the decisions we make, whether it's in uh, education or in technology, uh, so that we stay ahead of our competition and we also stay ahead of our you know a- adversaries uh, and also bring our allies together. So I think it's very important we align our you know aspirations in space with our allied nations and also uh, uh, make these investments so that you know everybody gets you know a chance to uh, participate and uh, deliver. You mentioned having a space a Space Force branch has brought the idea of defense in space front and center. Uh, is that what you are seeing in practice as well? And I mean, even you folks at the Space Domain Awareness Lab, uh, is your phone ringing a lot more from uh, defense officials and people from the Pentagon more often? Uh, yes and no. So I, I think... You know, um, definitely anything around the Earth orbit, it's 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 more like a space domain awareness, which means we consider this as a warfighting domain. Uh, but when you extend this uh, to the cislunar domain, we're still in the process of uh, figuring out what the you know aspirations are. Uh, definitely, we don't want to extend the warfighting domain to cislunar space, and uh, you know our intentions uh, are to keep it more from a focus of space situational awareness, which means that we are doing it primarily to keep. Uh, space traffic management in cislunar space, making sure our commercial and our uh, scientific payloads are uh, uh, safe and protected uh, from debris. Uh, and I think we want to have uh, a peaceful and uh, uh, collaborative exploration of the moon, uh, irrespective of what the aspirations of our, uh, are of our adversaries. Uh, but at the same time, we do see uh, a proliferation of, uh, uh, you know, uh, activities in uh, near space, you know, below geo. Uh, we have a lot of uh, uh, payloads going up. The estimation is that uh, over the next decade, we would have between uh, 20,000, 100,000 uh, new satellites that are going to be launched. Uh, just keeping track of those, making sure they don't collide with each other and making sure that we're able to find uh, payloads that don't have a peaceful intent among these 100,000 uh, possible payloads that are going to be launched is a very, very challenging job. And I think that's where academia comes into play. Uh, we are not uh, profit-driven. Uh, we are uh, driven by our mission to educate. We are driven by our uh, mission to generate new knowledge. And that gives us the freedom to pursue things that you typically cannot do in an industry setting or in a government lab setting for that matter. We have the fresh talent. You know, I'm always amazed by the quality of our students that come and uh, who, you know, in a sense, train me, you know, uh, so that that's something uh, very inspirational to see. 
And uh, I think, uh, you know, yes, our phones are ringing, uh, but uh, uh, I think we should uh, still try and see if we can uh, focus on uh, peaceful exploration of space as much as we can. Could be ringing more, right? <laughs> yes, it could always be worse. And the challenge is, is that we want to make sure that we have eyes and ears on space. You know, as you know, we have uh, over 50,000 objects that we currently track. Uh, less than 10% of them are active payloads. And uh, it's a big job uh, for, this, uh, uh, for the U.S. military to keep track of these objects. And any way we can help uh, from an academic setting uh, is a good day for us. Yeah, can you, you talked a little bit about it earlier. Can you tell me uh, some of the work that you all do at the Space Domain Awareness Lab and kinds of uh, students that you're churning out and as they enter into the professional field? Absolutely. So, you know, our focus is primarily on three things, which is the, the safety of space, the security of space, and the sustainability of space. Uh, so starting with low Earth orbit, you know, these are things that are you know, below, you know, 2000 kilometers of altitude from the Earth's surface. Uh, we focus primarily on uh, studying uh, mega constellations. You know, these are like the Starlinks, uh, the OneWeb, and, and you know, new satellites being launched. And that focus is primarily to see how these new satellites would affect ground-based astronomy and science. Uh, we want to make sure that these satellites don't pollute the night sky and affect scientific research from our astronomical telescope. At the same time, we want to ensure that they don't collide with each other and create a lot of debris that will make it difficult for us to explore space. And as you move further up, uh, we are studying objects in a geostationary orbit. This is where our communication satellites are. Uh, what we're trying to do is that if you go out in the night sky and look at a satellite, it looks like a dot, like a star moving across the sky. And it's very hard to tell what they are unless you keep track of them all the time. In other words, you have to have eyes on that dot as long as possible, because if it maneuvers or moves, it'll be hard to tell what the dot is. So what we are doing is that we're kind of creating a spectral fingerprint, kind of taking that white light that you see as a dot and splitting it to colors of rainbow as a simple explanation and trying to create a fingerprint of that satellite. And we are trying to create a fingerprint of all the satellites that are in geostationary orbit so that in case a dot moves, we can use this fingerprint to tell this dot is was previously in this location, it has moved based on its fingerprint. So that's something which our students are doing. This is probably the only place in the world that does this, uh, where we have the unique capability to do that. And extending beyond that into cislunar space, uh, we are probably the world leaders in cislunar space uh, situational awareness. Uh, we track objects around the moon that nobody can, including the US military. And uh, and those uh, payloads are both uh, friendly and adversarial. You know, our speciality is tracking uh, primarily uh, Chinese payloads around the moon. Uh, again, uh, our intent is primarily space situational awareness and not to treat this as a warfighting domain. Uh, but we do track payloads uh, that even impact the moon, as you heard about it. Uh, in March of this year, we had a payload that impacted the moon, and we were able to correctly identify and attribute that payload uh, to uh, a Chinese launch uh, rather than uh, one of uh, our own uh, uh, SpaceX launches. Yeah, can we expand a little bit beyond Cislunar? And speaking of impact, since I got you here, uh, just getting your thoughts on the DART project that took place recently uh, <laughs> and uh, what your thoughts on uh, planetary defense when it comes to your work. Absolutely. Yeah, DART had a fantastic uh, success. Uh, you know, impacting uh, Dimorphos, which is the moon of uh, Didymos. Uh, a little bit of uh, history there. Uh, the University of Arizona uh, uh, discovered uh, 
dark targets uh, Didymos. It was discovered by one of our telescopes in 1996. Uh, it's the Space Watch project uh, that is operated out of Kid Peak uh, near Tucson. And uh, we have a long legacy in planetary defense. And uh, we were the first uh, academic institution to uh, uh, scientifically discover asteroids using uh, electronic devices. In other words, uh, using digital cameras. Uh, prior to that, it was primarily based on film uh, plates. Uh, we were the first to use electronic devices to discover near-Earth asteroids. We're also the only institution to discover more than half of all the near-Earth asteroids that we currently know. Of the 29,000 near-Earth asteroids, these are asteroids that come close to the Earth and threaten uh, uh, the Earth at some point. Uh, we discovered about half of them, including the things like uh, uh, Didymos and Dimorphos, the, the targets of the DART mission. And as far as the mission itself, I think it's very important to realize that uh, doing these exercises, uh, you know, to, to study what these, uh, what the, how we can nudge these uh, asteroids off course is very important simply because we don't know a whole lot uh, about their internal structure. Uh, whether it's from the ground or whether with satellites orbiting, uh, we do not have a, a decent knowledge of how these things are put together. If you looked at the images of Dimorphos, it is just a pile of rocks. And that's the reason why we've, uh, you know, led the OSIRIS-REx mission uh, to uh, Bennu, which is bringing a sample back so we can understand the properties of these uh, rocks so that we can figure out a, a way to either nudge them off course or figure out a mitigation strategy if we are unable to do that. Uh, and I think DART is the first step. But more importantly, um, we need to find these asteroids. When it comes to planetary defense, time is our best friend. Um, if we know ahead of time, uh, whether we are, whether the Earth is um, on a you know on a on a path to collide with an asteroid, we would be able to devise a strategy to nudge it off course. And related to that, the University of Arizona is leading the uh, Near Earth Object Surveyor mission. It's a space-based infrared telescope uh, to discover uh, asteroids larger than 140 meters uh, to meet the Georgie e. Brown uh, Act uh, mandated by uh, the United States Congress. And we're building that spacecraft now. We're extending our legacy from ground-based surveys like Space Watch and Catalina Sky Survey, which are our telescopes on the Earth, into space so we can uh, take it to the next level and, and make sure uh, we protect the Earth. Uh, Neo Surveyor will answer a simple question. Is the Earth under threat by asteroid uh, impacts over the next 100 years? It will simply answer that question, yes or no. And to spend a uh, few hundred million dollars, as much as that sounds like a lot of money, to answer that question, and we leave the Earth in a safer place for the future generation, at least for the next 100 years, I think it's a worthy investment. I think the important thing to uh, uh, realize is that uh, education um, is a national security issue for me. Uh, the smarter our students are, the smarter our citizens are, uh, the better off we are as a nation uh, going forward. And I think academia plays a critical role in national security simply from the fact that we need smart people in this country. That's Vishnu Reddy, associate professor and co-leader of the Space Domain Awareness Lab at the University of Arizona. There's more to this interview. You can find it at federalnewsnetwork.com. Search the Space Hour. All right, so we've established one way of creating more space workers, but what about actually finding them and getting them plugged into the workforce? One organization has some ideas on that, and we'll hear them next. This is the Space Hour on Federal News Network. I'm Eric White.